Please join me for the prayer for Lenten discipline, which you'll find in your bulletin. We have chosen to fast, not with ashes, but with actions, not with sackcloth, but in sharing, not in thoughts, but in deeds. We will give up our abundance to share our food with the hungry. We will give up our comfort to provide homes for the destitute. We will give up our fashions to see the naked clothed. We will share where others hoard. We will free where others oppress. We will heal where others harm. Then God's light will break out on us. God's healing will quickly appear. God will guide us always. God's righteousness will go before us. We will find our joy in the Lord. We will be like a well-watered garden. We will be called repairers of broken walls. Together, we will feast at God's banquet table. Amen. Our scripture lesson tonight is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests in your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Our scripture from Isaiah today, blast like a trumpet in the beginning, asking this very difficult question, why do you fast? I don't know how many of you fast. I have fasted for many years, tried different things, uh, hoping to uh, discipline myself and not break my fast on the Sundays that are given to me, which makes it so hard. Our bulletin informs you that in this season of Lent, we are to first identify with the suffering of the cross before we can make that journey to resurrection. What? How do we identify with the suffering? How do we discipline ourselves to remember the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness where he needed simple things like bread and water? That is beyond our understanding for most of us. Where he faced constant temptation that we might be willing to identify with. Is this the way we fast? Is this the point? Or maybe we don't even try to fast because it's too hard and it's inconvenient in the least. Our scripture is addressed to people who have been displaced or conquered. Those who were left behind after the destruction of the temple are gathered with those who have returned. They are a community in conflict. Those who were conquered and stayed, those who were taken away and have yet now come back. 
The first half of the scripture convicts those who are fasting, those who are at least trying because their motives are all wrong. They cloak their fighting in words about God. Isaiah is clearly fed up with all of them. Is God condemning all fasting? Or is it our heart and our motivation, the way we act when we're not in worship that is being condemned here? Verse 3 very clearly says that the um, people serve their own interests and oppress their workers. Does this sound like the people of God? Verse 4 says the people quarrel and they strike with a wicked fist. Does this sound like the people of God? The problem with the people's fasting in the scripture is not the actions themselves, but the fact that they pay more attention to their own self-interest than to the good of the community. As Calvin calls it, the persistent and all-too-human pull towards our own destruction. This Lenten season, we are focusing on the call of Jesus. Who does he call us to be? How are we gifted in a way that can serve God? What are we passionate about changing and doing? We've been doing this book on the Tuesday morning Bible study called Call It Grace by Reverend Dr. Serena Jones, who happens to be president of Union Theological Seminary, and she's also an Okie. She was raised right here and went to OU. She talks in this book about racism, poverty, red dirt sod busters, beauty, and the world that influenced her throughout a theological lens. She helps those of us who are reading this book see the lenses that we are raised with to mine in our own theology and the influences that have informed who we are and what we believe about God. I wanted to share with you what she has written. She tells a story about her dad who was out passing out flyers in uh, North Texas and it's a school uh, board position in the community that is an almost all-white community. But they have a couple of people running for the board. One is black and another is Jewish. And her dad decides to live out his theology and the belief that every person is made in the image of God. And so he's out passing out flyers, trying to get people to just consider maybe voting for one of these people. What happens is a group of men in baseball hats walk up to this little girl and her father and they spit on them. And this is what she wrote, writes about that. She said, on the drive home in my family station wagon, I experienced a cosmic rush in my imagination. The picture I'd drawn in my mind of Carl Barth and my father suddenly looked different. Yes. My father was still a man who fought for goodness in the face of evil. His patient hand passing out flyers to people who mostly ignored him made that clear. But when those men spit at him, he didn't respond. By slugging them or shouting angry words at them about their bigotry or the offense that they had caused his daughter, no. 
He accepted their anger with what almost seemed like kindness. Kindness? What a strange way to fight for justice. And even more strangely, his words to be about all of us being children of light and darkness seemed to suggest that he saw a part of himself in these despicable men. Like he too was one of them. The high drama of my earlier version of theology fizzled out right then and there, diffused by his act of drawing these seemingly bad guys towards him, sharing their lot as a political, theological act no less, my confusion was profound. I am sorry that you had to witness that serene, my dad finally responded, now using his professor voice. I don't agree with the views of those men, but it's critically important that we never allow ourselves to believe that we are fundamentally better than anyone else. Who knows what life may have given them to deal with or how they were raised. It struck me like never before, even though I'd always known it, the theology I was raised on wasn't a series of grand cosmic dramas. It was a way of life. It was made up of actions like campaigning for change and being kind to mean people. Like my Sunday school teachers had been telling me all these years, faith and love are not two different things. They are one and the same, which made us all one and the same children of God. Isn't that beautiful? Kindness as a way of justice. Embracing the reality that we are all not the sum of the worst parts of us. We are all children of both light and darkness, good and bad. We are more than the sum of our failures or even our successes. On this night, we acknowledge the limits of our humanity with the words, through the words, from ashes you have come and ashes you will return. We should be convicted to live a life of meaning and purpose. We should spend our time and our energy doing things that fill us, that give us life, that make a difference. We should put our energy into things that grow and are good, not things that drain our souls away. We can pass on the things of our heart, the passions of our souls. My cousin Emily recently became a mother after several miscarriages. I gotta breathe. <laughs> and difficulty, suffering, and despair. But when the baby came, she lifted it up because she's a generation of Lion King, and she lifted it up to represent the circle of life, the triumph that happens in the birth of a new baby. She named that baby after our grandmother, 
Her middle name is also my middle name. That grandmother was quite a force in our lives, and she was never always warm and gentle. She used to make me walk with the book on my head so I would have good posture. She would say things like, put on lipstick so you don't look dead. <laughs> These things were important to her. She also, whenever she had a meal or invited people to her home, would spend days preparing the hospitality for her guest. She showed up at every ball game and tracked me. And so my cousin Allison, Emily's sister, and I were sitting around in a hot tub on spring break one year, and she says to me, I hate to tell you this, but I am grandma's favorite. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, you cannot be grandma's favorite because I am grandma's favorite. And then we talked about what an incredible gift that every one of the 13 grandchildren believed that they were the favorite. This is the way that God loves us. So why don't we this year fast from our feelings of inadequacy? Why don't we fast from thinking that God couldn't possibly love us or use us? Why don't we fast from thinking that we are not good enough? Why don't we fast from being in fear and living in suspicion? We too, like the people in the scriptures today, live in a community of conflict, a world where we forget that others are just like us. It is easy to point fingers and to sling words like they are weapons without any thought for the consequences with those who disagree with us. We are encouraged to seek and protect our own self-interest as we pull ourselves into our own destruction. Maybe we cannot know what it's like to truly suffer, and maybe we don't know what it's like to be in the wilderness for 40 days without food or drink, but we do know what it is like to live in brokenness. We do know what it is like to yearn for safety or to be tempted and to try to not give in or to fail. Jesus is calling us to faith and love, which she said in the book, they're not two separate things, they are one. Faith and love, the oneness of both of them the understanding that we are part of the struggle for justice and goodness in this world. Serena Jones calls this the theology of forgiveness. If we cannot know and forgive the messy sins of our neighbors and our enemies, we can never learn to forgive the messy sin, the messy mix of sin and grace inside our own selves. Let us, over the next 40 days, fast from our superiority and our indifference. Let us fast from needing to get our own way and pushing and pushing and pushing until other people join us. Let us recognize that we should stop working for our own destruction and instead choose faith and love for ourselves, for God, and for the other. Let us 
fast from clinging to our brokenness and allow our healing and our wholeness to begin. May we make room for the holy to flow in us and through us. Let our love flow free and our faith be made real. As Mary Oliver wrote, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice? To undo the thongs of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Let us hear where the Holy Spirit leads. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Listen, O oh God, listen and look into our hearts. You know, Lord, all our sin. Listen, O oh God, listen and look into our hearts. See and hear, O oh God. We lift up our sin to you. We name it in silence and we repent of the evil we have done by word and deed, by omission and commission. Listen, O oh God. Listen and look into our hearts during this time of silence. Although we are not worthy, O oh Lord, we ask you to hear our plea. Touch us, Lord, and make us whole. We ask it by the grace shown to us by Jesus. Amen.